Hello, and welcome to the How to Love Yourself No Matter What podcast. My name is Amanda Hess, and I am a certified life coach. I know that navigating today's world can be overwhelming and stressful, but I don't believe that means we should be constantly battling anxiety. The truth is, we need to learn how to love ourselves. That is the antidote to stress and anxiety. If you want peace and joy and connection in your life, then let's get started. Hello, and welcome to episode number 65, Life Dysmorphia. Okay, before I dig into the content here and I talk about this topic, um, I just wanted to let you guys know that I am going to Maui this Saturday. Fingers crossed that the world stays somewhat normal so that we're able to do that. And um, I'm going to be doing a figure skating show uh, for our skating group. So, it's pretty fun. We're going to be just doing like a Christmas show and me and another master skater have put together a program and we're going to be doing that. But um, just as an aside, we were working on our routine earlier this week on Monday and uh, I was just doing the most basic move. I was just doing a like back bubble, like a skull. And uh, I fell backwards. So I wasn't doing a jump. I wasn't doing a spin. I wasn't doing anything super exciting. But I did one of those falls, you know, when you like slip your feet out and you fall like hard on your back. And so I landed sort of on my elbow on my back. I mean, thankfully, nothing is broken, but I am going to have this wicked bruise kind of like on my butt and back for when I go to Hawaii. So that's bound to be really attractive and get some uh, some interesting comments <laughs> when, when I'm there. But it was an epic, epic fall. So just in case you're thinking like, hey, you know, do figure skaters fall and does it hurt? Um, sometimes yes, especially when you fall doing something that you don't expect to fall doing. It was just one of those really stupid things where I le- leaned back too far and that was that. But anyways, that's my entertaining entertaining story for you today, just about the life of Amanda on the rink, okay? But I want to talk about life dysmorphia. What is life dysmorphia? So let's start with dysmorphia. I found a definition on Google. um, And what it was for is it's for body dysmorphic disorder. So body dysmorphic disorder is a mental health disorder in which you can't stop thinking about one or more perceived defects or flaws in your appearance, a flaw that appears minor or can't be seen by others. But you may feel so embarrassed, ashamed and anxious that you may avoid many social situations. Okay, so when I talk about life dysmorphia, this is a lot of what I mean. We look at ourselves with extreme judgment, right? And then we decide what's wrong with us and what's wrong with our lives. And then we catalog the things that we have determined as being a problem. And then we are sure to beat ourselves up every chance we get so that we can fix the problem. We blow it up in our minds. We blow it up in our minds, the things that make us unlovable, unlikable, and unfit for getting along in society. We look at our life and decide that there are problems and that we obviously need to solely focus on them so that we can solve it because that's how we create a fulfilling life. So let me ask you, what do you think is wrong with you? 
What do you think is wrong with your life? Do you have a list? Or is there one thing that you just wish you could change about yourself? And then you just know that if you did, your life would be so much better. And what I'd like for you to do is do me a favor and text me to tell me what you think yours is. You can text me at 604-229-2192 and I will offer you some support. But I want to talk about when I was younger. When I was younger, I would have told you that I just wished that I could not cry all the time, that I was tired of always crying. I'd cry when I was sad, but I'd also cry when I was angry and cry when I was happy. I was mortified that I would cry all the time. I was so afraid of crying that I got pretty skilled at shoving down my feelings, like really skilled. I was a feeling shoving ninja except for when it would all boil over, right? Because that's actually a terrible way to deal with your feelings. But it's great if you like rage outbursts and day-long crying fits. So this all came to a, a head for me after I had my second child. I wasn't sleeping, my hormones were crazy, and I was trying to be an expert feeling shover, and I was losing. I had decided that I should love motherhood, all of it. I should love having an infant and a preschooler at home. I should be grateful for this life. I should also show up as the perfect mother. Now, the things that people didn't see, right, were things like my baby didn't sleep through the night for the first, was he was almost a year. My C-section became infected at nine weeks postpartum which my very experienced OB had never heard of. And I ended up having to go see my OB, who was a good 30 minutes from my house almost every single day. And did I mention that my baby hated the car? He would scream the whole way, both ways. So my incision opened like a zipper to let the infection out because I had a massive abscess. I had to wear a maxi pad inside the front of my underwear for over a month. I also ended up with a very painful and serious bout of mastitis. And my baby would feed every two hours, day and night. He would not nap for longer than 20 minutes at a time. And when I asked my doctor for drugs to increase my milk supply, because it seemed like I never really had enough and when I was pumping, I would never get a lot of milk, When I asked for those drugs, my doctor told me I didn't need them because my baby was thriving. And I guess nobody thought to question how I was doing. I know I certainly didn't. So my breaking point came as I was dealing with all of this. My older son had preschool and it was a beautiful day outside. I decided that we should walk to school because a good mom doesn't drive her kids to school when you are in walking distance. So I put my baby on my chest in his snuggly and decided that it was also not okay to go for a a walk without my dog because obviously my dog was important and needed a walk. So I got my Great Dane and I headed out. Now, my baby cried the whole way to school. He cried the whole time we waited in line to go in and he cried the whole way home. And that's when I lost it. I fully lost control. I took my child and put him in his crib, just wanting it all to stop. Him to stop, me to stop, the dog to stop, the whole world to stop. I screamed at my baby. I screamed at the dog. I screamed at myself and just lost control. Because 
you can only control yourself so much, right? Controlling your feelings and your emotions is not living. I called my husband at work. He came home and I got on a call with a psychologist. Now, there's a lot more to this story. And I wish I could tell you that it all got better from here, but it didn't because I didn't have somebody teaching me then what I am going to teach you now. Because back then, I had a belief about how motherhood should look, and the only evidence I was looking for was how I was doing it wrong. And I was able to find a lot of it. My baby should only be breastfed if he was thriving. Clearly, there was something wrong with me and the way I nursed. This was a me problem. I should be able to handle that. Sure, formula is okay, but breast is best even if you are dying of exhaustion. I was not good at nursing. I needed to find a way to get better. My friends all had plenty of milk. I was harming my child. I needed to fix him and me. I should be able to clean the house and be a fun and engaged parent to my preschooler and have dinner on the table and be at my pre-baby weight and never cry while my body recovered from a massive infection after having major surgery. It doesn't matter if you haven't strung more than three hours of sleep together for six months. Get your shit together. There is something wrong with you. I could go on, but I think you get it. My dysmorphia came in the form of my failure at motherhood. Looking back, I can hardly believe that I functioned as well as I did. I mean, did you know that they use sleep deprivation deprivation as a form of torture, right? I was so busy trying to fix myself to be the version of motherhood that I thought was the accepted standard that I just never gave myself the grace of being human. I couldn't sink into the deep love I felt for my kids, and I couldn't love myself enough to create space for rest and actually get some real help. I was so invested in the idea that I was doing it wrong that I couldn't see what is probably painfully obvious to you listening and is certainly clear for me looking back. My my dysmorphia back then surrounded motherhood. And it's a pretty common one too. I could do an entire episode on motherhood, and maybe I will, but not today. So fast forward a few years and some antidepressants and some therapy, both individual and group, and I had a few good tools in my toolbox for dealing with the problems. I was labeled as emotionally sensitive and emotionally reactive. So I went to work trying to solve this problem. I was told that medication isn't good for solving this problem and that because I was highly functional, I could do DBT, which stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy. Now, if you are familiar and you love and use DBT and it works for you, I think it's great. I think that's amazing. There are great tools in this line of treatment. And basically what you learn is things like mindfulness and you learn emergency measures from when your emotions are going to take over and a a number of other things, um, awareness exercises as well. But tools are only useful if you use them. And they are also only useful if you understand when you should use them and how. And for me, this is where this never really worked. Because if you don't understand what you're trying to do, no tool in the world is going to help you. For instance, my husband is an electrician. I know, let's say I know that the electricity isn't working in my house. So if you give my husband the tools, he can fix it because he's an electrician. He can get to the bottom of it and know what tools to use and know how to use them and know how to test it. The thing is, is I also know 
that electricity isn't working in our house. But if you give me the tools, I will not be able to fix it. And this is the same thing when we're talking about getting tools like DBT that are given to us as something to use to help us. What happened is I believed that being emotionally sensitive and emotionally reactive was a problem. So I looked at these I looked at these tools as a way to fix myself. I believed that there was something very wrong with me. This was my actual dysmorphia. In many ways, it's society's as well. What society kind of says to us is, hey, listen, you are not normal, so we need to fix you. So then we get hyper-focused on what's wrong with us. We also get hyper-focused on what's wrong with our life. We focus hard on the problems or the abnormalities or what makes us different. But what is normal? Who decides and why does that matter at all? So let's look back at body dysmorphia, okay? I have friends who I consider to be beautiful. I think they are legitimately drop-dead gorgeous. One friend has this beautiful figure. She has this hourglass shape and long, beautiful hair. Her face is gorgeous and expressive, and she has the greatest laugh. One thing she had was she felt really small boobs. She felt like she was flat. And I honestly think that was part of what made her so amazing. Honestly. And then one day she went and got a boob job, which is fine. I don't have anything against them. But in my eyes, it actually took away from her beauty. The way she was naturally to me was uniquely her and really stood out and was just drop dead gorgeous. And when she took the step to be normal and to look like everyone else, she lost that part of her that was unique. It took away from her beauty. But she was hyper-focused on having a small bust. It's all she could see. So she made it her focus to change it. Now, I could do an entire podcast on body dysmorphia, but I want to really shine the light on why life dysmorphia is even more damaging. So let's get back to my story about my emotionality. The truth is, I had always been told that I was too emotional. Maybe you can relate. And what is so interesting to me is that I spent all this time and money on medication and therapy, and it wasn't until I found coaching that I realized that there is no such thing as being too emotional. Seriously, it's not a problem. What? Right? It took me over 40 years to realize that. It took me over 40 years to realize that I don't have to worry about being too emotional that there is actually nothing wrong with me, that I don't need to be fixed. And listen, you don't either. I promise. I fucking got you and you are not broken. I feel like Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing telling them that nobody puts baby in a corner. But speaking of Dirty Dancing, let's just talk about that for a second because it totally relates here. Jennifer Grey, right? She plays the lead in Dirty Dancing. And like, listen, if you're listening to this and you've never watched Dirty Dancing, you need to stop everything you're doing and go and watch that movie immediately. But here's the thing. Jennifer Grey, I thought she was everything back in the 80s. My hair was basically exactly like hers. I wanted shorts exactly like hers. And I wanted deck shoes exactly like hers. And then she went after that movie and she got a nose job. And she was unrecognizable. And her career basically died 
because she decided, and probably people told her, that her nose was a problem. And I can't help but wonder what her career might have been if she hadn't done that. So here's what I want you to know. I want you to look at my experience and I want you to see how you can relate to whatever you think is wrong with you, how you can relate it to that. Many of my clients are like me and feel like they are too emotional, but some of them feel like they don't actually experience emotions. Some of them feel like they only feel negative emotions. But what if none of that is a problem? Just take a look at my emotionality. Sometimes being emotionally sensitive and emotionally reactive gives me results I don't want. You know, for instance, blowing up at my husband rarely gives me the result that I'm looking for. He's not like, oh, you're right, honey. I totally see your point of view after that happens, right? But beating myself up and trying to fix myself when I don't understand what is actually happening inside of myself will only make things worse. Instead, I can choose to love myself unconditionally, to decide that everything about me, everything deserves love. And what I want to offer you is that you can do the same. My emotionality makes me who I am. I experience all of my emotions on high intensity. So when I feel happy, I feel it in my bones. And when I feel anger, I feel that in my bones too. And it's not a problem. Now, what I have learned is how to understand where the anger is coming from to get really good at being curious with myself about why I am feeling what I am feeling. Most times when I yell, it's because I feel unsafe. So I have learned how to start creating safety for myself. That's the skill. This is the thing. Life dysmorphia comes from the idea that somehow you are not normal, that your life, how your life looks is not normal, that the way your relationships work isn't normal, that you aren't normal. But what if being normal doesn't have to be the goal? Wanting to be normal comes from our primitive desire to be part of the pack. It's a survival instinct. It's the go-to for everyone. If you have this, that's perfect because it just means that you are actually normal. (laughs) The rest, though, everything you think about your life and yourself, you've got to decide what you want to believe. It's super painful to believe that you are not okay, that you are abnormal, that you are unacceptable. What if whatever is wrong with you could actually be your superpower? What if it's that unique thing that makes you super attractive to the right people? And imagine the peace you might feel letting go of the belief that there is something wrong with you. Anxiety can be a superpower. Depression can be a superpower. High sensitivity to emotions can be a superpower. When I finally started embracing my emotionality, my life got way better. Not only did I actually feel better, but I also didn't spend hours upon hours obsessing about what other people were thinking about me. And because I could stop doing that, I was able to start really crafting the life that served me. I feel fulfilled instead of broken. You can have this too, but it's time to stop focusing on what's wrong with you and instead start accepting all of you. So if you're ready to just do this and learn this process for your life and transform your life, 
go to amandahess.ca and book a consult right now. I've opened up a few spots while I'm away over holidays. You are going to want to grab one before they are gone. There are not very many of them. Okay, my friend, that's what I have for you today. I hope you have a beautiful week and I will see you all here next time. Thanks so much for listening. You can look forward to a new episode of this podcast every week. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a favor and leave a review. When you do, it helps this podcast grow and it allows me to help more women just like you. And if you just know that you need help putting this all together, why don't you book a free consult with me? We can talk about you and what's happening in your life and put a real plan in place to manage the stress and anxiety for good. Just head on over to amandahess.ca slash book a call to set that up.